0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Curriculum, a podcast from Cornerstones Education. We do our best to provide advice, insight and information for primary school leaders and teachers, all in the time it takes to get to work or grab a quick cuppa.
1: Hello
2: and welcome to another edition of The Curriculum podcast by Cornerstones. I'm Melanie Moore and this week we are talking to Al Ritchie, a primary teacher, history specialist and Cornerstones consultant. Good morning, Al. Good morning, Mel. As I said, this week we're looking at the place of history in the primary curriculum. And I'm interested really to hear a little bit about what floats your boat about history. Why are you so engaged in history as a subject?
1: Growing up um, through school, I always enjoyed history lessons. I had a couple of really good history teachers when I was younger. Mr Jones, I remember in particular. uh, It always brought really good history lessons into the classroom, it was brilliant. Uh, I then went on to uh, go to do my degree in history and geography at St John's in York, and if you're doing history, there's no better city than York to study it, because it's everywhere, no matter where you go, walking into the city, walking back to your house, there's bits of history everywhere, so my kind of love of history kind of developed there, and I've just grown from there, really.
2: York is a favourite place of mine, and, and you're right, obviously it's absolutely steeped in history. Just for our listeners, who may be having some trouble deciphering your accent this morning, what is it, Al? Where,
1: where are you from? I'm, I'm going I'm to say it properly. <laughs> Go on I'm actually from a Hull. Whereas if you come from Hull, you usually drop the H, usually it's just Ull. But (laughs) for the the sake of this, I will say the place name properly. So not too far from York, but uh, it is a bit of a peculiar accent, should should we say.
2: Well, I'm I'm sure our listeners will enjoy listening to it today. Um, We've had a little bit of an insight into your personal interest in history. So tell me a little bit more about the skills that children can learn through studying history.
1: Um, historical skills are a really big thing in the new curriculum and there's all the usual skills that you would get of looking at sources, uh, making decisions and things like that. But the, the new curriculum itself is actually really interesting because it says, and I'm going to do a little quote now, that a high quality history education should inspire people's curiosity to know more about the past. Teaching should equip all children to ask perceptive questions think critically, weigh evidence, sift arguments, and develop perspective and judgment. Now, I found that a really interesting statement, because if you take the word history out of that... That's exactly what schools are trying to make learners become now. We want our children to weigh evidence and think critically and ask perceptive questions. And loads of work's been done on open mindsets and questioning skills to help children become those sorts of more independent learners. And these are the sorts of skills that history can further develop with children.
2: Yeah, and of course, they're very cross-curricular, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, there are skills that you would use in science or maths or helps It helps, art it helps or... with every
1: single subject. It's not just one subject by itself. It comes under the umbrella of the entire curriculum. It will help in all areas, really.
2: And what about the place of knowledge for history? I'm imagining that, I mean, there's obviously a lot of content-rich Absolutely. learning to do in history. Um, how would you approach I think the key thing that?
1: for that is to think, right, what do my children absolutely need to know because yes you can go mad on names and dates and kings and queens but it's really thinking about when you do your curriculum mapping what will my children get from their journey through this this history topic what will they need to know and what are the key facts they need to know so it may it may well be names and dates of kings throughout the reign if it's the middle ages if it's an event say like the battle of hastings it's more looking at well how do we know how it happened there's all these different sources and sometimes in history the sources don't always say the same things which is a bit of a one of the criticisms of having to teach history is that, well, I can find one date in one source, yes. but it's not quite the same in the other. But they actually are really useful teaching points for children to yeah. understand. It's, history is what's been written down. And sometimes what gets written down has been written down either for a certain reason, which brings in the arguments of bias and propaganda. Certainly, if you're looking at a topic... Yeah so the second well war two for example absolutely where propaganda is absolutely massive and sometimes just a case of it's been written down such a long time ago things have changed and understandings have changed so it's really key to think right what do the children need to know and plotting it out from there really
2: could you just explain why in your opinion history is so important as part of the primary
1: curriculum you know what was sort of the essence of history and and
2: what does it give children
1: well there's kind of two parts to that question really mel um In the classroom, I've always found that historical events and projects are really, really important for firing the children's imagination. And it gets them excited about what they're going to be doing in the classroom. Um, If you're introducing the concept of, say, Roman gladiatorial combat, or a Saxon shield wall in battle, or even working conditions for children in a textiles mill, it's completely alien to children. But because these are things that have actually happened, it can really excite them and get them thinking about what has happened in the past. But because of the nature of history, it's great because you can feed it into other areas of the curriculum. It's brilliant for like cross-curricular learning. Um, you can bring it into your writing sessions, you can bring it into maths, science, art, DT, ICT. It really kind of covers like all the bases. In terms of teaching history as a subject, though, and thinking of why it's important, um, history is irrelevant still in the modern world today. Uh, last week on the podcast, we heard from Fran and she was talking about science being everywhere. But you can kind of say the same thing about history as well. Let's say, for example, you uh, live near a bridge which has arches underneath it. Well, Arches are actually a Roman innovation brought across in four to three AD. Uh, many mathematical principles that are used today were actually first developed in, in the times of ancient Greece. Um, even the shape of countries nowadays—they were forged throughout history through battles and peace treaties and marriage and other elements. So it's important that children understand the significance of these historical topics and where they actually come from, because that's how it affects our lives today.
2: Because one of the sort of the main concepts of history is I think you correct me if I'm wrong is that children understand their world and their place in it absolutely and their their place in history
1: yes they absolutely are... they, they need to know where they fit into this chronological order which is one of the big things that the government is pushing is for children to understand how the time periods fits together
2: so that's great that you've said that because I, I was going to ask Brilliant. you a question about that because <laughs> I think one of the most difficult concepts in history particularly for very young children if you've ever worked in nursery reception key stage one as well is to understand and to have a sense of chronology wanting to ask you you know do you agree is that one of the most challenging things and what can teachers do to help children understand are there any sort of tips for teaching that
1: yes well teaching of time is always very tricky I know from teaching maths when the time element came up it was always not my favourite thing because like, the children find it naturally hard. The government have actually looked into the teaching of chronology and they discovered as they go through schools, children got very good at knowing about the time periods they were studying, yeah. but they weren't so good at knowing yes. where it fits yes. in on that chron- chronological yeah. timeline. So certainly the younger the children get, obviously they find it trickier because to imagine 100 years in the past, 500 years in the past, a thousand that gets much, much harder because they don't have that mental understanding to think and to kind of create the scenario in the head of what it would look like so it is very very tricky for them so in terms of tips of helping children understand chronology better um one of the most effective ways is through the use of timelines i've always been a fan of getting the children to look at events of a time period understand how the data system works and get them to put it in order and then once you build up with one time period you can then keep it up on the wall and build upon it so the children can then see from a very young age this, hap- this event happened first, and then this event happened. And as they get older, they get a much more clearer picture of the British history throughout time.
2: And understanding sort of the concept of a timeline for very young children, you could do that with much sort of more relevant time periods, couldn't you, just to get them started, like yesterday... Absolutely. What happened yesterday, what happened the day before, what happened last week, what happened last
1: year. Well, back in Key Stage 1, you would start traditionally with events that have happened within their lifetimes. And you'd start with things like family members, first of all, so they understand that grandparents are older than parents and great-grandparents are even further back in past. And then you can link in other things like familiar items, toys, which has always been a traditional Key Stage 1 kind of topic, but cars, vehicles, things that they're excited about. And keen to know about you can then introduce that and show them how that all fits in in terms of chronology with simple language that talks about the passing of time
2: yeah because that would also then help them to begin to look at similarities and differences wouldn't it which is obviously a big part of the history curriculum as well
1: they can pick out the features of and say well i can tell this is older because this is newer because i just say all part of that kind of questioning part of the curriculum which has now come in it will all help with that
2: brilliant so what about the, the barriers to teaching history effectively? What do you think teachers find most challenging about putting history and teaching quality history?
1: History can be difficult because a lot of teachers will need to think about how much do I actually know about the period that I'm covering. Um, Ofsted did research about uh, initial teacher training and how much knowledge they would get through that and doing a PGCE or a BED is very difficult to cover the full history curriculum in the space of your course so NQTs will come into school without having covered certain time periods so but that's nothing to panic about because the best way to do that is look at the time periods that you're going to be covering through your curriculum mapping and then finding out in more detail what you're going to cover and then building upon that because you can't be expected to know everything straight away so for new teachers don't panic you learn as you go for teachers who are also thinking about things like well it sounds a lovely time period to cover in history but i don't have lots of roman coins in school and we don't have Mm. lots of artifacts to show the children how can i possibly teach Mm. effectively and to a high standard without good resources because obviously as we know in these times schools are always struggling for cash and things like that but there's lots of uh, places where you can get free resources library loan service are really good for books And they will pick out a really nice selection according to the age group that you're teaching. Um, If you have good museums nearby, they often have artefacts they're prepared to learn in boxes as well. So there's always places you can look at. Even your nearby secondary school might have a particularly well-stocked department that they can lend. Mm -hmm. As I found in my own experiences in school, your own school often has a lot more than you actually realise. And it's it's amazing if you just ask another member of staff, they'll suddenly remember, oh, in the top of my cupboard I have this wonderful example of egyptian cartouches or hang on a second i'm, I'm sure in the resource cupboard there's a, a box covered in dust that will have something in particularly useful so it's always amazing what you actually have that a lot of teachers have forgotten about in your own school
2: yeah and a lot of the topics that were in the curriculum pre-2014 are
1: obviously still in the new curriculum absolutely although yes. there are a few new there areas have been, to cover aren't there There have been a few tweaks but um generally a lot of the stuff that was used beforehand can still be used now i know topics like the tudors have been taken out, and the Victorians. But you can still look at Tudor times and Victorians within uh, school curriculum. Yeah,
2: post-1066.
1: Yeah, life beyond 1066. And it's looking at themes of that. So you could look at um, and compare the two. So if you've got lots of really good Tudor and Victorian resources, you can still bring that into one of your projects. But you could look at, say, Crime and Order. Yeah,
2: because is is there sort of an argument for, because we know curriculum time is um, scarce, to maybe put two time periods together and to approach it with a compare contrast similarities differences approach like you say through a theme such as everyday life or crime and punishment absolutely you can the
1: idea of the new curriculum is to be able to look and tell the differences and see the changes and looking through different time periods on a a constant theme will help you kind of cover resources that you've, you've got you've had in school and you still want to make use of and you know Historically, children have always really enjoyed, but it allows you to cover more of those time periods despite the narrowing of the curriculum, should we say.
2: And can I ask you what your view is on? I mean, obviously, this day and age, age of technology, what's your opinion on things that we can find online, videos, um, maybe film? You know, what's out there on the World Wide Web and what's reliable and what's not? And what's your view on using, bringing history to life with things like film and video? Well, animation? the key where-
1: was reliable and it's, yeah. it's, it's a, whenever you use the internet you need to know where it comes from because anyone could put on the internet anything nowadays and it's it's knowing there's some good facts there that I can use, but how reliable is it? So it, it's a case of looking and thinking about: is it a trusted website? So you no, know, your, your big ones are always your good ones to go for. BBC, you yeah, know, is going to be yeah. pretty accurate. um Encyclopedia Britannica, you know, is going okay. to be pretty accurate. So it's it's kind of looking and thinking: where's it come from, and how much do I yeah. trust this source? And
2: some of the historical museums have a good source Excellent of video websites. and exhibition images. And yeah, they're really good to go. And that, that there was thing.
1: always my first port of call. So if I was looking to do the dinosaurs, I'll be on the Natural History Museum and looking at what resources are there and there's loads of uh, learning sections now on websites for museums and historical associations that have pre-prepared stuff that you can take if you need it, that have really good lesson ideas or even on the historical association site they have a, a section that gives you lots of advice on how to teach chronology to children so it's not fixed one particular time period but it gives you some really nice clear advice of how to teach in a certain way and what sort of things you should be covering. In terms of um, film resources and things like that online, we are working with a company called 60 Seconds History, which uh, as the name suggests, will ask very short video clips of a minute long, which discuss different historical time periods. And it's, it's really good for the children because it, it's one actor, be it role-playing the part of a figure from history, but not a famous figure, an everyday figure. So it'll take if you're doing Romans, for example, it could be a Roman soldier, saying what life was like on, on, in the fortress towns by Hadrian's Wall. You could be looking at Mayan culture and be a Mayan villager, explaining about their daily lives and food and lifestyle. So there's a whole lot of interesting videos that are really useful on 60-second history, which will help children understand the time period a little bit better, but won't take up huge amounts of time. Yeah. So that's a really useful resource. I
2: think I think the fact that the 60 seconds is, is, is really, really great. Useful. It just puts it into a nutshell, doesn't
1: it? It can open a session really, really nicely and just give the kids yeah. the real key facts that they need to know and then you can build the rest yeah. of your lesson on from there really. and actually
2: it would be really nice wouldn't it for example at the end of, of a project for children to create their own 60 second
1: yeah that would uh, be, be really really well. good and they could post it on their own school websites or on the learning platforms there's loads of things they could do with that and it's a really good way again of incorporating yeah. history cross quickly yeah. so you've got ICT, ICT skills in there as well that'd be
2: great so just to finish Al, I've just got a few uh, quick fire questions if um, if you could live in any historical period which one do you think you would live in?
1: Oh, um, I'm a sucker for a good castle. So the medieval period <laughs> might be one of my favourites. But then be, I would love to see how the pyramids were built. So I could now wax lyrical all these different time periods I'd like to see, but I think the medieval period would be one of my favourites, I think. And and what
2: about a historical figure? Bearing in mind you know all of their grisly ends, (laughs) which one would you choose I should should really choose one that I knew (laughs) had
1: lived a very long and healthy life. (laughs) Um, Well, despite the fact he died quite young, Um, Alexander the Great would be a good one. Why
2: why would you be Alexander the Great?
1: Well, he he kind of conquered everywhere and got to see if you imagine growing up in Macedonia at the top of Greece and then suddenly you find yourself at the tip of northern Africa and over into the Middle East and all these things he could say that he saw that no one else around him really could say, I think that'd be very, very interesting, apart from the early death.
2: So so I've now got a picture of a a young boy in Hull imagining he was Alexander the Great and seeing the world. Is that about right? Well when you grow up in
1: Hull you are quite keen to (laughs) spread your wings and go other places. So yeah that'd be absolutely not
2: Okay, Al, thank you. That's been really interesting. Um, thank you very much for coming. No,
1: thank you.
0: And that's it for this episode of The Curriculum. You can subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts on your iPhone or iPad. Or if you have an Android device, you can try something like Pocket Casts. It means you get the episodes going straight to your phone or tablet, and you can discover a whole world of other podcasts out there. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, please tell someone about it. Just uh, send them a quick email or give them a nudge in person. Um, if you want to know more about Cornerstones, the curriculum, as in the Cornerstones curriculum, and um, other products, you can go to cornerstoneseducation.co.uk and you can learn more about this show, including how to subscribe at cornerstoneseducation.co.uk podcast. And we'd love to hear your feedback and any ideas you might have for the show. Just get in touch by emailing podcasts at cornerstoneseducation.co.uk or drop us a line on Twitter, where we are CornerstonesEDU. That's it. Speak to you next time.